in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. James Harden had a setback during rehab yesterday. The Nets have not given an updated timeline for James Harden, although uh, a source CSPN said that James Harden is now back at step one in his recovery. I Listen, we've been talking about it all week. I'm just convinced no one in the NBA is actually going to be healthy for the playoffs. That we're just going to have, like, guys we've never... Shake Milton for the Sixers is going to be, like, the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals because he's the only guy healthy. Does And, and that stinks because in the NBA you want to see it stars, no question. But I guess how much in your mind then does it open up for others? Because I still think I still think there's the overwhelming feeling, maybe I'm wrong, that if LeBron and AD comes back, they're going to win it again. Like, And I, I think the Lakers think that. We've talked about that. Do the Lakers ask Jameis and others, do they care what their seed is? I don't think they care if those guys are healthy. Um, you want to be at home to start, I guess. I mean, who wouldn't want to be at home to start or have home court advantage? But I don't think they care. So let's say one or two of those just can't go or they're just not they're not right. And like you said, all these other guys are hurt. Will it be exciting because, you know, there's a five or six seed who might get through? Um, see, here's it's like last year when I complained about the Heat being in the in the NBA finals. Nobody really wants to watch that. Like nobody, like what are the, what are the, not nobody, not nobody. What are the Knicks right now? Are the Knicks still like the sixth seed or something like that? Like the Knicks have been a fun little, Hey, the Knicks are actually competent for the first time in like 20 years, but nobody wants to watch the Knicks in the Eastern conference finals. Like nobody wants to watch the Knicks in the NBA finals. So if we get a team like that, uh, yeah, that's going to be tough, but especially, especially this year where. The East has three top, like, the East is extremely top-heavy, three really good teams, and the rest of the conference kind of sucks. And in the West, granted, they're not actually in this order, but the Lakers with LeBron and AD and the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George is potentially the two best teams there. I know, I'm, I'm dumping all over Phoenix and Utah and Denver, but, like, there are some potential great matchups that if you get the Knicks accidentally showing up, that, I, yeah, it'll be a massive disappointment. Well... I think they're in. They're the five seed right now. They play right now. Oh, they play Atlanta. Five? Oh, my God. They play they're going to win a playoff series. matchup right now. They're in. <sighs> um, I mean, they're going to have to. They're, they're not going to fall that much. I mean, the Bulls are in the 10 spot, and they're seven ahead of the Bulls. So, they're they're getting in. I mean, I, I, I guess the league is really, really excited the Knicks would be in that series only because Atlanta with the TV ratings, at least you get the New York fans who are not still crazy about the Knicks. <laughs> you imagine how bad that series would be? Atlanta. I mean, Trey Young. You like to see there's there's players you want to watch, but Knicks have won seven straight. Yeah, the Nick the Knicks are not fun to watch. They're gonna play yeah. to the '80s, but yeah, that's why we don't want to see them. I don't even want to see the Heat last year, and the Heat actually played relatively fun basketball. That's a great great question. The Steelers signed Mike Tomlin to a three year extension. Simple question for you, Ed: Is Mike Tomlin good? Oh. I think he's above average comparative to others in his league. What were they? 11 and 0, 12 and finished 12 and 4 last year. They lost to I believe Cleveland in the wild card round. Yeah. Uh, they love him there, man. They they love him in that town. They let that, obviously huge respect from the ownership towards him. But yeah, I 
I'd love to ask, because I know a few really diehard Steeler fans who think he's amazing. Like, they think, okay, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yes, whether they haven't gone to the Super Bowl in a while or whatever you want to say about Mike Tomlin, their whole point is, well, what, what, who could you do that gets better? Like, who would be better than him in this, you know, in, in that town and with that team? Um, so I think he's above average. It, you know, he's he's fortunate though. I mean, that's a long time in that league, and I know he, I know he's won it all, but that's a long time in that league to survive. So um, obviously, the only people that matter here are actually like him. Uh- one amazing part about Mike Tomlin, he has never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. They've had a few eight and eights, but they've never had a losing season. Um, and in his 14 years as the head coach of the Steelers, they've been to the playoffs nine times and they do have a Super Bowl win. Granted, it was yeah. a long time ago, but they do have a Super Bowl win. They have three total trips to the AFC Championship as well. So he's been extremely successful. Now, recently, the Steelers haven't really been, I mean, I guess they were the last undefeated team last year, but. The Steelers haven't really been top of the league, genuine Super Bowl contender, but I don't think there'd be any reason not to keep Mike Tomlin around because he's he's been good for a long time. And even when they have an off season, they only fall to eight and eight. They don't really fall to four and 14 or something like that. The big thing that I always want to point out when it comes to his tenure with the Steelers is they are the masters of finding like random third round number one wide receivers and (laughs) fifth round linebackers that are suddenly pro bowlers. Like, it's just if you got drafted by the Steelers and you're a linebacker, doesn't matter where they drafted you, you suddenly are really good. And then they'll be like, "Uh, who's this Antonio Brown kid? Sixth round pick? Yeah, all right, we're gonna make him a superstar. If only the Raiders could do that, you know, every now and then. Not even every year, just like once every five years. Well, and that's the other thing because they're con- they always have winning seasons. They're never drafting early. Like they're right. always picking right. late, and they're doing this, and it's infuriating. Next question: The Bills' general manager says there is no rush to sign Josh Allen to an extension. I am fascinated by what Josh Allen a is going to be this season, and b what his contract will be because. Josh Allen was a bad quarterback in the NFL for two years. He was he was not good for two years, but he was awesome last season. Like he was genuinely one of the five best quarterbacks in football last year. And I'm fascinated to see what the Bills do and how he performs this year. Because if he regresses back to being average or below average, what do you do with Josh Allen and his second contract? Yeah, um, I thought they were going to wait longer. Now, the, the, uh, the GM says probably after the draft, and he wants to be here, and Alan says, I want to be here. But, like, I'm never against, especially a guy in a rookie deal, waiting and having patience. Like, I, you know, guy, I think people, we've talked about whether it's uh, Colton Miller and others who still are in rookie deals, and they extend them. And I guess you want to show, you know, loyalty to players. I guess that's a thing. But to me, the rookie deal is there for a reason. And especially in a league with a cap, and you're trying to get you know the best players around your quarterback. Um, I think they should wait it out. Now again, like the GM thinks he's, it's a week after the draft, they'll get down to numbers. But he's he's had some experience in that. He talked about they tried to get Cam Newton when he was in Carolina, and it didn't work out. They're not on the same page with the money, um, so they pushed pause. And he played that season. He said, and that after season, they got it done pretty quick. So I think it'll get done. But like I'm never against waiting. Like I think some teams just jump too fast and extend these guys who are on rookie deals and it doesn't work out. 
and it appears in this sense that they're both on the same page and it's going to get done. So, um, you know, I, I assume a couple weeks after the draft, he'll be he'll be a lot richer. Yeah, it's about information. Like when you have a guy under contract, you have the ability to get more information by watching him play more you? games, more seasons, and. We just saw with the Raiders and Colton Miller, they did it early. Uh, we see, And it's not just a football thing. We saw with the Golden Knights and Marc-Andre Fleury. They gave him an extension uh, a year early. And it's if, if you get, to me, you can gather more information. The only real downside is if you piss off Josh Allen. Like if Josh Allen's agent is saying, hey, he really wants the long-term deal. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Then maybe that's where the pressure comes from to do it now. But that's really the only downside is potentially pissing him off. Otherwise, if I'm a team, I want as much info as possible. I want to see as many yeah. games and as many seasons as possible before I commit to you a second contract. Yeah. Next question. Mookie Betts did not play in the Dodgers win over the Mariners yesterday. He going to be okay, Ed? I think he'll be okay. I mean, with that kind of lineup, scoring one run and three over the last two games, I mean, uh, you'd like him back. He'll be fine, Tyler. Uh, big series starts tomorrow night with the Padres. I'm more fascinated and, and really just taken aback and upset that the Padres are 10-9 and 9 and Tatis is hitting like 100. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of money for that guy. So with the Giants now being in second place, at this point i got to be more worried about the Giants, uh, oh. who are playing really well, than the 10-9 and 9 Padres. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's Tatis. Uh, now, I say this, and the guy will completely go crazy in the four games, and you'll be making fun of me on Monday. Uh, because he'll go nuts. But for now, you have to give me a few moments to gloat after just, you know, 18 games and uh, say what's wrong with these Padres. Ed, uh, Ed, we're going to make fun of you on Monday no matter what. Yeah, that's true. They could, they could, sweep, they could sweep the series, and I'll be hearing uh, first game against the, uh, the Seattle Mariners uh, replays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ed, I will let you. Uh, take your victory lap around Fernando Tatis right now because it oh, might it. be the it might be the only time in the next twelve years that you're able to do that. We'll see. Like I said, this could have been uh, <laughs> this could have been an overreaction. Talk about signing a guy early. I mean, my God, the they got caught. They got way caught up, in my opinion, of a guy who, as we said before, scores from second base, tagging up for a short fly to the short, uh, you know, left field with the shortstop catching it. Way too caught up. And a uh, huge contract, and uh, hope it works out for him. Right now, it's a uh, he's struggling. <laughs> he's also he's struggling. He right also now. might still be hurt, and he's playing through injury. Wow, that's I mean that's 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 on him. You can't you can't hurt the team. Got to be about the team. Man, you know that's a great question. Arden oh, Key God. is visiting the 49ers. <laughs> Arden Key recently waived by the Raiders. Uh, what are the chances Arden Key ends up on a team like the 49ers and ends up actually getting sacks and making a difference? Well, sacks and a difference, I'm not sure, but he'll end up in a team. Whether it be the Niners or not, I'm not sure. But, I mean, because he's not going to cost that much. And um, someone's going to see him and say he's, you know, kind of this athletic guy who they can make into a better player than the Raiders. He'll, he'll be on a team. He's too young not to be on a team. And he plays a position where, you know, people need depth and it's a, it's a really important position in the league. So I don't know if it's the Niners. I don't know their their complete roster in terms of what they need on the edge, but he's going to get on a team. And whether it's before draft or after draft, when people realize what their rosters look like, um, someone's going to sign him. So I don't know who, but he, doesn't, he won't cost you much. I am excited for Arden Key to have more sacks than Yannick Ngakwe this year. That, I guess I'd be surprised at. 
I mean, yeah, you'd um, think so. One of them's going to be a starter. Well, I guess it would be, it'd be t- what team he'd go to, right? I mean, again, he, I don't know if he's going to the Niners or another team. So that alone would, you know, y- you would want to lead the rundown with on like three consecutive days and find out <laughs> why it happened and where and where he, where that fits into the spectrum of uh, Unique Ngakwe's contract. Well, it's going to come down to something stupid like interior pressure. Like the... <laughs> The 49ers are getting better penetration with their yes. defensive tackles, despite Pro the fact that the focus has Arden Key ranked ahead of Unique and Gotham. Oh, can't wait. It's going to happen, and you know it. Well, it's also going to be a undrafted free agent that the 49ers picked up to play defensive tackle is currently <laughs> ranked higher than the three guys that the Raiders picked up in free agency. Good Lord, I just wrote a Bischoff's brief. You did. Oh. It was great. Only 16 teams will qualify for the USL playoffs this season. It used to be 20, but with the new format, 16 will make it. Lights FC are in the Pacific Division. They realign their divisions because of the pandemic this year. They have to be in the top four of that 18 Pacific Division to make the playoffs. I am very pessimistic they will be able to do that. Yeah, well, I mean... The one thing you don't want to do for a team that's never made the playoffs is take away playoff spots, right? So it's one of those things where if you've never made it, like you want them adding, you want them to be like Major League Baseball. Let's add some spots. Let's let's get more people involved in this thing. So betting man, I would have to agree with your side. And if I had to, if I had to take a side at the books, I'm gonna say no. I don't know what the odds would be, but. Um, Again, we don't know who's going to play on a weekly basis, right? They're going to send these players down, so we'll see if um, we'll see who plays on a weekly basis. But at this point, you got to shade towards your side because they've never been there, and all of a sudden, there's only 16 instead of 20. All right, coming up next, we're going to speculate about whether or not Arthur Kaluma is coming to UNLV. But again, Shakel gets in for the putback. It's no good. Flynn then tries, and now Mitchell tries, and the Rebels get called for a foul. Did Mbake just foul out? Yeah. Mbake just gets fouled out, and TJ is really upset. Really upset, and I don't blame him. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Today we are going to do my favorite thing. And that is speculate, because yesterday we talked to Kevin Kruger, UNLV's basketball coach, and UNLV has a top 50 recruit in the class of 2021, still signed to UNLV. He committed and is he has signed his letter of intent, um, but Arthur Kaluma hasn't actually said anything about UNLV since TJ Otzelberger uh, left for the Iowa State job. Uh, I know Mike Gramala wrote a story where he talked to Sh- to uh, Kashawn Gilbert, the other recruit. Kashawn Gilbert said, "I'm I'm coming." Mike could not get a hold of Arthur Kaluma for that story. Um, yesterday, when we asked Kevin Kruger about it, here's what Kevin Kruger had to say: uh, What is? Are there any recent updates? How have your recent conversations been with Arthur Kaluma? Yeah, just ongoing talks. Just always ongoing talks, and. Uh... Just being being as honest and open and and as transparent as we can be. Do you get do you get the sense? Do you expect him to be uh, at UNLV in the fall or before then? Um, Yeah, I I, I just think you know we just continue to talk, just continue to talk, and uh, kind of see what's what's best for everybody, and and hopefully everybody's happy at the end. So when you heard that yesterday, Ed, did you think Arthur Kaluma is going to come to UNLV and play next season? 
Well, I thought it was a more direct answer when we asked him about the Tiger King. So um, I think, uh, <laughs> well, you and I talked about this afterwards. That, I guess, not knowing much about it, because the kid hasn't commented, right? So that's kind of who you want to hear from at this point. You certainly can't listen to those answers and say, oh, he's coming for sure. Like, no one could do that. I, knowing very little about the situation, I will, I will guess here that Arthur Kaluma and his people are very interested in the roster that will be built around the Rebels next year. And that that might be why there's a holdout here and we're not hearing a confirmation that, yes, I'm coming. There's still two spots available, we believe, or two or three. I'm not sure. I'm, you know, you've got the roster. But I absolutely believe that there's a sense that he wants to know who's going to be on that roster because it's being rebuilt from the ground up, obviously, because 10 guys in the portal. So listening to that, I'm not saying he's not coming or there's not still a chance, but obviously something's holding this up, right? So it, I think there's a great chance he wants to know who's going to be on that team because when he committed to TJ, you know, maybe he thought Bryce Hamilton was leaving, but he had kind of a sense as to, okay, this is who I'm going to be with at this point. I don't, you know, now he, now he's like you and I and everyone else. When someone else signs, you kind of got to do your research. Who is this person? What position do they play? What's their role going to be? So I'll leave it at that. I think that that's what's happening. And until this thing is completely set, he obviously doesn't have to make a decision, right? But he, look, Arthur Kaluma, essentially, I'm sure, has been getting calls from other schools because he really hasn't come out and committed back to UNLV. So it's not like Arthur Kaluma is not going to get a scholarship somewhere. So I believe in his mind there's time to wait, and he's kind of just sitting back and watching what's happening out here. What is interesting to me is the the change in tone from Kevin Kruger because on April 12th is when Mike wrote the story about Kashan Gilbert and Arthur Kaluma, and Kevin Kruger's quote to Gramala was, they're still absolutely going to be a part of this program and vision going forward. We talked and we're excited and energized about them coming on board. Right? He's saying absolutely going to be a part of this program. Excited, energized about them coming on board. That was on April 12th. April 20th, his answer is ongoing talks. Being honest and open and transparent. Hopefully everybody is happy at the end. See what's best for everybody. That's a complete tone shift. That's a complete change from we're excited, we're pumped about having Arthur Kaluma here to, well, we're still talking to him and hopefully we're, we're all happy at the end. That to me is a complete change. And sure. like when you, to me, when I compare those two, something happened in the eight days between there that made Kevin Kruger go from expecting Arthur Kaluma to be at UNLV to making Kevin Kruger change and to say, hey, we're still just talking to the guy and hoping well, that he'll be here. And in that sense, it came from the Kaluma camp because I think he wants Arthur Kaluma. So I, know, yes, I assume he does. In that sense, someone from that camp said, "Well, hold on here. We, you know, we signed with Osleberger. There's rumors here, and the rumors have been true, proven true that everyone's jumping in the portal. Who's going to be there? And again, when you're a high level recruit, I mean, I don't think fans should be against it. This happens all the time. I mean, every one of those kids at any level of any ability." has handlers and they have people who, you know, like it or not, it's just reality in a sense, represent them to want the best for the kid, want the best role. How many shots? I mean, that's, that goes into it. And fans hate to hear that, but that's just reality. So yeah, I'm sure in those eight days, the message back was, hold on, we're going to wait here. So, and I think that's what's happening. Ongoing conversations to me. And I think you feel the same way means 
no decision is being made. He he's 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 yeah. he's at this point not coming until he's convinced by Kevin or whoever that this is still a good place for you to develop. You'll still be around good players, you know, and we can build a program this way. And I think that's what the holdup is. It's not Kevin Kruger deciding this. It's Arthur Kaluma deciding this. Yes, I assume if Kevin Kruger was deciding this, Arthur Kaluma is yes. on the roster, and yeah. he would have answered that question yesterday much differently in terms of, yes. yep, he's going to be here. So, yeah. I, I again, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The big blow to UNLV is going to be that this is a top 50 recruit. Like, this is, again, it's it's a lot to put on a freshman. It's a lot to expect of a freshman. But right. there, was a, right. there was a chance Arthur Kaluma was one of the two best players on the team next year. Like, there's a chance that if Kaluma's at UNLV – that he's like the leading scorer on the team because he is a top 50 recruit. And oftentimes top 50 recruits in basketball can be really good right away. So there was a chance that Kaluma was not only starting and playing 30 plus minutes, but that he was like the number one or number two option on the team. And if you lose that, now you're looking at some of the transfers you brought in that have to step up even more than they're already expected to. So it, it becomes, it, it it narrows the margin of error for UNLV basketball next year because not having Kaluma misses out on having that sort of high-end potential, and it lowers yeah. the ceiling for UNLV too because maybe Kaluma's not any good as a freshman. Maybe Kaluma is just sort of a piece on a team, and they're not that good next year anyways. But if Kaluma is a star right away, then the ceiling for UNLV is much, much higher if all of a sudden Kaluma's awesome, and if he's gone, you don't yeah. have that potential. No, you don't, and uh, that would be a negative towards what happened in the offseason if you lose them. And, but again, a lot more goes into it than, you know, hey, I made a commitment uh, when there's a coaching change and that many people are gone from a program. That's a whole rebuild. And, I, you know, is, you know look, it could be anything. Is he holding out for someone else to go there? You know, does he want certain players? That, that, like I said, fans are always amazed at what, how much goes into this. But I'll tell you there's players out there who say, well, yeah, if that guy comes, I'll come. I mean, there's all things that can go into something like this. And after talking to Kevin yesterday and hearing his responses, I mean, this is not near done. We'll just leave it at that. I don't know what the percentage is. It might be 5% at this point. It might be 95%. But it's certainly not done. And you and I both know that this is coming from the Kaluma camp. This is them deciding what's the best place for this kid. Couldn't you pitch him on the, like, running the same offense that – the Cleveland Cavaliers did the final year with LeBron, just like you, Arthur. Where your your usage rate is going to be one hundred percent. We're gonna uh, run an offense called Hot Potato. I don't. Anyone think else gets anybody, the ball, they throw it back to you. I don't think anybody that's ever watched LeBron with the Cavaliers thinks yes, that's what I want to be on. I think you'd rather you'd want to be on the Warriors, where you get to be Kevin Durant joining a team that's already good and still get all the shots. You know what's really okay, weird that has nothing we to do with this, but I just thought about it, which is very strange that I thought about this. There was a picture of LeBron yesterday, I think guarding Kobe. I'm not so sure, but it was like LeBron's rookie year. And all I could think of, he's wearing the same shorts that Kevin Kruger did at UNLV. <laughs> you know those huge, long, baggy shorts? Yeah. That are yeah. like three sizes too big? Like LeBron wore those as a rookie. I, that means absolutely nothing to this conversation, but it just popped in my mind because I was looking at that yesterday thinking, because there's that famous picture, not famous, but it's the one picture we've seen of Kevin Kruger since he got hired as a point guard at UNLV. He's dribbling the ball, looking up the floor, and he's got those shorts on. And I saw LeBron yesterday, I'm like, yeah, they all wore those kind of shorts back then. 
Kevin Kruger was wearing a size 5X when he should have been wearing a medium. That's what I'm saying. Do, do you know the picture I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. yes, well, I do. Were pictures, like, he was in LeBron, he was too. Like, why are those shorts so big? Kevin Kruger right. would regularly play basketball in basketball pants. Yes. <laughs> Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. How are you today, Jason? Jason, and I, 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 you know what? I'm doing. I'm doing well. It's a. It's a weird morning for Raiders fans that are on social media. Let's just be yeah. real about that. But, uh, but I'm doing better than Mark Davidson today. Yeah. So. Uh... What do you, I'll just give you a general question on it. What are your thoughts on the Raiders' I can breathe tweet and Mark Davis uh, not pulling it down? Uh, well, there's, there's a few different layers to this. Uh, number one, I was on air when it, uh, when it was tweeted out, and one of our production assistants on Spain and Fitz immediately said, dude, what's your team doing? And I was like, I, I don't know. We, what, did we trade somebody? Like, what, that was my initial thought. Like, am I surprised by a bad transaction or something? And then I look at my phone and one after the other, after the other, I'm like, what the heck is going on? I read the the tweet and frankly, my heart sank, but my heart sank from the minute I read it, because if anyone's been around the radio organization or had the opportunity, and I would say that I'm lucky to have had the opportunity in my life to meet Mark a couple of times and to talk with him. If you've read the way he speaks, if you, if you understand who he is, I, I don't think there was malicious intent from the get go. If you knew him, you read it and thought, man, that's regrettable wording to what he was trying to say. And, you know, we talked about Sarah and I talked about it during the commercial uh, initially. And I said, man, I just don't think the social team uh, put this out. I, it just doesn't feel like something that they would do. And I, I've got some friends in the building. So I started shooting out some text. And I, I said to the guys at the time, the people on my show, like, I, I think we should hold off yelling at anybody particularly because I have a sneaky suspicion the one person we should yell at is Mark Davis. And by the time we got off air, he sort of mea culpa to the entire thing and that he sent it out. Number one, I think it takes a lot for an owner. We don't see a lot of owners that will stand up and say, hey, that's my bad. It doesn't change the fact that that is his bad. But I also understand, like, you delete the tweet. Are you running away from it? I understand where he's coming from in every angle of it. I just think he's done it sort of in a really tone-deaf way every single step of it. Like, I'm still looking for that, that moment that the tweet goes down and Mark Davis puts up a little video that says, hey, guys, I, I tweeted this out with the right intent. It wasn't received the right way. I owe everybody an apology. Like, that, that would go a long way at this point to sort of stopping the embarrassment because there, it, we all know, if you're a Raiders fan, you know how much diversity has meant. You know how much, uh, frankly, that this, this organization is always run without any consideration of gender or race or background. Uh, this is an organization that has been a meritocracy for much of the way they've structured the way they view people for a very long time. And I think Mark is part of that. So I, I don't think that this was a cultural issue. I think it's a tremendous, tremendous lack of understanding issue. And it is also a reminder that Mark needs to get somebody in him, close to him, in his inner circle, close to him, that he can look to that will say, hey, hey, dude, no, nope, don't, don't press in. He needs a Herm here that says don't press in that can walk him off the, the ledge on some of these things. So he gets understanding before he makes a mistake. Well, Jason, let me ask you this, because we talked about us off the top, and this was in the athletic story, and I don't think all 30,000 who, res who responded on this remembered or knew also, but obviously a lot of point people point to the Eric Garner killing in 2014 where the police wore the NYPD blue I can breathe shirts and taking, you know, obviously uh, 
sadly and ridiculously making fun of the comment. So he said, he told The Athletic, Mark did, hey, I learned something. And in that sense, it's very wrong. Um, we, I was going to ask you because I don't know if it's one social media person he told this to. I don't know if he ran it through three or four people. When you heard that he kind of didn't remember that, are we, are, you know, are we being unfair to say he should have known that? He should have remembered that? Um, and someone should have said, now, wait a minute, there's context here? Or is it just a man saying, you know what, I didn't know that, and I, I've learned in the moment? The, from the people I've talked to within the building that I trust, there were people that pushed back on the tweet, and he just thought it was the right thing to do. And to me, that means that he doesn't have somebody there that has enough of a powerful voice to be able to push back on it. Uh, you know, and right. so uh, that that – should he have known? Oh, my God, I would think so. Uh, does that show you that maybe he's got his head buried in the sand on some of this? Like, I don't know. I'm not saying everybody should remember it, but, man, if you're going to put a tweet out uh, on a day like yesterday, you've got to be particularly careful in what you say and how you say it to make sure that it gets your full intent out. And for him not to do that, I mean, that speaks to not necessarily just the social department, but somebody in the PR department, too, that, that they've got to be able – there have got to be more people that can loop in that say, hey, this is a mistake uh, that, that he'll actually listen to. Because, uh, again, from, from the people I talked to yesterday, there was, there was pushback and it, it just wasn't listened to. So, you know, uh, at some point that lies at the feet of Mark, and that's why I am at least happy that he came out because a lot of people were getting destroyed yesterday for that, that tweet. And that's a dangerous thing because, let, let's be real, if you're the social media person, I don't want to say any one person, but if you work in the social media department there and you say, no, this isn't a good idea, and then you're getting beat up on Twitter, you can't go out and say, hey, you made me do it. You're going to lose your dang job. <laughs> so, like, it's a right. lose-lose situation for a lot of people in the building. But at the same right. time, as an owner of a team, he should never create a culture in the building where people can't push back on him when he's clearly in the wrong and he was clearly in the wrong. On a more fun note, uh, would you ever buy a presumed Raiders draft pick a gift from their wedding registry? Uh, no, I would not. I, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I would buy a free agent a gift from their wedding registry. Like that, not, If I'm trying to recruit somebody, let it be somebody that has a say in the process. But, like, uh, let's be real. I mean, these, these kids being drafted don't have any say in the process anyway. So save your money. Wait till they're drafted and either welcome them in that way or more cleverly, you know, sort of that's the modern version of waiting for Charles Woodson outside of the facility to remind him how great Raiders fans are, right? Like, you just sort of push, you, you find a way to do that when you're trying to get that free agent to sign here. Let's all save our money uh, until a couple of years from now when, when this team is going all in and free agency spending, and we can use it then. Somebody got burned by Jamarcus Russell. Are, are you in the camp uh, that it's, Trevor Lawrence's take was refreshing, and he's like, look, uh, when it's football, I'm all in, and that's who I am, but this isn't going to define me. And he talks about his faith and everything because, of, of course, you know you're going to get the other side of people saying, hey, if you're not all in, you can never be great, you can never be the best and all that. Where do you stand in that camp when Trevor Lawrence kind of said what he said and, and, and obviously stands behind those words and he's not going to change his mind? Yeah, well, I think it's authentic from Trevor, which is important from everybody. I'd rather have a quarterback be honest then, you know, pile up a load of you-know-what for all of us. But then the other side of it is Trevor's body of work matters in this conversation. Like, if you're talking about somebody that's had an up-and-down career, then you could turn around and say, hey, maybe he's not committed enough. If you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, then all that tells me is, to be <laughs> frank, all that tells me is he was able to do that at Clemson, and that's the way he approaches football. I think it's worked. Like, we're forgetting that Trevor Lawrence was so good after his first year as a starter – 
people thought he should challenge the laws so that he could be drafted early. Like, that's how good Trevor Lawrence is. So if he does that while he still has focuses outside of football, I don't know why we're in this spot where we suddenly, suddenly believe that somebody has to be purely focused on one thing in order to have right. any success in the NFL level. It's just not true. And every year we have draftees that fall because they're into other things. It's the dumbest thing teams can do when you've got tape like that. I mean, if you're Trevor Lawrence, you're great no matter what your focus is, then fine. Go out there and, like, I don't care if you like playing video games or you like shopping or you want to go out and be a fashion, like, God, I don't care. Just win those football games, and he does. The best conversations about Trevor Lawrence was after his first year was if he should sit out and not play college football until he could be drafted. I, I mean, you're not wrong, right? Like, and, and now we're just sitting here saying, well, I'm not sure. And by the way, I mean, if there's anybody now that's proved it, why even play the game? It's Trey Lance. Like, if you can go in the top five after playing one season of marginal college football competition, but everybody's going to say, well, you got to draft him because look at his athletic traits. Then what the hell's the point of playing college football at all? Like, <laughs> if we're going to fault Justin Fields for playing poorly against defenses during the middle of COVID when he was minus eight starters, and we're going to forget the year before, but we're going to allow Trey Lance to have one. He looks like a quarterback, guys. Got to draft him top five. Like, that's the dumbest thing that's happening this year. Okay, so here we go with the question that will be answered next Thursday. Who do you think goes three? Oh, yeah. I think Justin Fields should go two, by the way. I think Justin Fields oh, is, really? is clearly okay. Justin right. Fields. And, and I really like Zach Wilson uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and, and I will, uh, like, this is like my humble brag, Zach Wilson story, just to anybody that works in sports. But I was hosting a bunch of college football shows last year. One of them, we spent the entire two-hour pre-production meeting. I was listening to E.J. Manuel and Tom Luganville and two other analysts just talk about how they've been watching Zach since he was in eighth grade, and the world's finally figuring out exactly who he is. He's, he's got these Mahomes traits. Everybody says that. I get all of that. But there's a part of me that still hasn't figured out why there was such a difference in production last year versus the year before. And, again, I like proof of concept on a quarterback. Justin Fields has shown me proof of concept. He only had two games that were questionable in the middle of COVID. They were against two good defenses and, again, missing a lot of starters. I mean, Justin Fields has done it in every possible way. I think a lot of what we're seeing has been misinformation put out on Justin with the hopes that he'll fall in the draft. So I, I, I think Justin Fields should go second. I would not be surprised to see him go third. Uh, you know, I, the Mac Jones thing is curious to me, and I think Mac is actually the hardest to evaluate because his guys are wide open, but also his accuracy on balls that were in the air for more than 35 yards, not, not, not final play, but actually in the air for 35 yards, the new NCAA record last year. Like, Nobody throws the deep ball better than Mac does, but his guys were wide open. So when your guys are open by 10 yards, is it that hard to read defenses? So I, I just, I think you could make a real question about any of the quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence, but if I was the GM, I would rank it Trevor Lawrence one, Justin Fields two, Zach Wilson three. Hmm. Um, Jason, why do you hate pie? Because pie, pie crust is trash, and we all know this. Like, it's not pie that's, like, the actual filling for pie is okay. And by the way, for anybody that, that doesn't know this, I actually asked this question when I was on the morning show one day uh, as I was waxing philosophically about my hatred of pie. And uh, somebody asked me how I feel about cheesecake or key lime pie. And those are two things that, frankly, have a graham cracker crust. And as a result, I enjoy them, only to have a chef reach out on Twitter uh, to tell me that the cheesecake and uh, key lime pie are actually part of the torch tart family so not part of the pie family so i can go back to wholesale pie trash. pie crust is not good and 
like when you're touring in country music, you're playing mostly like small towns in the beginning and little festivals and fairs, and everybody's going to come in and say, oh, my God, you have to try my grandma's pie recipe. It's the best thing you've ever had. I lived in the South for a long time, and everybody's like, oh, sweet potato pie. No, pie crust is god-awful. And I don't care. Like, uh, your grandma's pie crust is bad. Your favorite store's pie crust is bad. I, you know, I grew up in Vegas, not far from the Marie Callender store. Their pie crust is bad. Like, all of it's bad. Whoa. You know, and, and you know, I'm, just, I'm throwing it out there. You know, it, it's just it's a failed product. Pie crust, anything pie can do, cake can do better. Anything that, that pie crust can do, graham cracker crust can do substantially better. It's Jason Fitz from ESPN, no longer sponsored on this spot by Marie Callender's of Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, I do love Marie Callender's. Though. Like, it was a treat for, like, when I was a little kid, my, my parents had these two friends that would come over. Uh, Dave and Eddie would come. Dave and Eddie Miller would come over. I don't know why I decided to share that with all of Vegas, but Dave and Eddie would come over, and they would play, um, they'd play cards with my parents all the time, like, for a little game night. But the reason I liked it is that they would bring banana cream pie from Marie Callender's, and that my brother and I got to eat it. And so I would just scoop the insides out of the pie and put it on a plate and throw the crust away. <laughs> well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Bye. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Yeah, you guys are the best. Have a great week, guys. See you, brother. All uh, um, right. Yeah, that's good to have him on on the day of Mark Davis uh, as the Raider guy, too. That's uh, needed, needed as much perspective as we can get. Okay, but he genuinely went and, and I threw the trash, I mean the crust, away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever done that? With either chocolate cream or banana cream, you only eat the filling? I think I've no. done that. Really? No, I, I I'll I've eat pie. Yeah. I know what he's saying when he says pie crust yeah. isn't any good, but it's not bad enough to where I'm not going to eat it with the food. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it's fine. I've had bad pie crust, but I mean, that's why I started making my own. Yeah. Pies are good. Jason's wrong. Coming up next, you know what? We need a new Sharp. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. This is your chance to make a pick in the world of sports and go on a streak. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to be our Sharp, if you think you can beat uh, Ron's stretch of eight straight picks. 702-364-1100. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, our sharp is Nate. Nate has had one of the best streaks of any of our sharps. He once had six in a row, even if he was picking all soccer games. That's still fine. Still the third best streak we've ever had. Uh, Nate, welcome back. And where would you like to go today? Glad to be back. We're going to go PSG over Angers. <laughs> all right. PSG in France. Uh, all right. That's a good bet. Uh, we will lock you in for PSG. Wait, are they playing today? Are we sure that game's today? Yeah, they play today at 9.45 a.m. Okay. All right. We got you in for PSG winning today. Uh, oh, that's in, the, that's in the Coupe de France, isn't it? Okay. That's where that game it is. All right. Thank you, Nate. Good luck to PSG if they win. We will be talking to you again tomorrow. Sounds good. All right. So, PSG is his pick. They did not leave for the Super League. So, we'll see if Nate can go on a good streak with uh, soccer picks here. Um, Ed, I'm surprised you're here because I'm pretty sure we all disconnected during that commercial break. No. Yes. I I heard you. Did we? Yep. (laughs) Had to restart the computer. Really? Yep. I, I only know if I'm on when I push the little mic. 
and it goes dead like I just did. Hey, like didn't didn't necessarily need a demonstration. Yes. No, that was good. That was good. It was yeah, very my helpful. My heart didn't. My heart didn't just literally stop. It was very helpful. Okay. Yes. No, because because okay, we're doing it at home. Like I can hear a little bit of static in my headphones when we're doing the show. All of a sudden, it was just completely silent, and I pull up my link here, and it says Jared just is gone, does not exist anymore. So we were not connected during that break until about five seconds before we went on the air. Five seconds. These are things I'm, I don't keep track of well. I'm pretty sure what I ha- what happened was the rejoin started, and I said down the line, gotcha back. Yeah, well, that's oh, what really? I'm saying. Yeah, five seconds. We're good to go. I just, um, I just know that I'm defined by a microphone, Jared by headphones, and you by a, uh, a telephone. So if I'm seeing levels on all of them, then I think we're all okay. <laughs> that's all I really know about this. Oh, okay, so... <laughs> I did want to mention this. So the Golden Knights play tonight. If the Golden Knights simply lose in overtime or win the game, they will clinch a playoff spot. Seems a little early, doesn't it? Uh, not for the, as I saw uh, from the NHL this morning, the leading team in hockey. Oh, uh, they are the right. leading no, the best team in hockey. Leading top, yeah. Uh, I am checking something that I'd like to ask you if you're surprised or not. And you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if I am, though. He will, and, and take not, pleasure in it. And I'm not saying that they should have either way, but let me ask you this. Unless I'm wrong, and you can check for me, are you surprised that Golden Knights did not release a statement after yesterday's uh, a verdict like many other teams? No. No. Uh, okay. Not at all. Okay. Um, I, I was. I, I had a lot of people. The only reason I'm asking is I, when the Davis thing hit, like I had literally people texting me, emailing me, like direct message, like, Will they make a statement? I'm right back. I said, well, one, it's their prerogative. They can do what they want in that sense. Maybe they don't feel that it's a time to do it. Um, but I couldn't answer the question. Like, I don't know. I I certainly didn't think about that when the Davis thing tweeted. Well, what have other teams said? You brought up Tyler. I did read the Aces statement because that was tweeted out, and it was there for us to see. Um, but I'm just asking because I got so much response, and I was kind of surprised that I'm like, well, I think each organization has the right to do what they want to do. Yeah, we. I think we've got to get away from this expectation that a yeah, sports exactly. team is going to tweet about something like Derek Chauvin being found guilty. Like now we, they have the Golden Knights have tweeted in the past about yes, social issues. Yes. yes. So but like for some reason and it, it this is beyond sports too because on Twitter like just companies like organizations brands tweet out stuff about this too and it's like I don't know why we have an expectation that like Coca-Cola is going to send a tweet or something like that. It's just bizarre to me. It's like if you're going to, you know, enact some program or donate some money to to a cause or whatever, that's perfectly fine. Go for it. You can tweet about it all you want, but just this there's this weird expectation that yeah. sports teams and organizations are supposed to come up with a graphic like the Raiders did yesterday right. and tweeted out to sh- like, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre to me that that's the expectation because for the most part, who cares what the Vegas Golden Knights yeah. have to say about Derek Chauvin and yeah. Greg Floyd, like back in, back in the bubble, when NHL players decided we're not going to play, we're going to take time off. We're going to take, what do they take two days off? because of the uh, issues that were happening over the summer, 
then absolutely you can tweet stuff and there's explanations. You're, you're, you're in the middle of that. You're making a statement. But as a team, when somebody's found guilty, like, no, I, I, don't, I don't need no. the Golden Knights to tell no. me where my moral compass should be. I will say this. Will Ramirez just sent me this. I guess the, and we've heard about this and we've written about it, the Hockey Diversity Alliance did release a statement. So now again, that's, that's in representing those involved in the Hockey Diversity Alliance. I'm completely with you. I don't judge people whether they make statements or not. That's, a, that's their own prerogative if they want to make a statement or not. 